Well, we wanna welcome you today and we're so glad that you're with us, whether you're online or at one of our campuses. And man, a special shout out to everybody that's on the Mississippi Gulf Coast campus. And as you probably heard, you know, we've been down there for a couple of years and the team has just been setting up and tearing down every single Sunday with a smile on their face to create an environment where people can come encounter the love of Christ. And, but today is week two in the permanent facility. And this is only possible through your generosity and the faithfulness of God. So across all of our campuses, can we just celebrate and tell God thank you and excited about what's gonna happen. And man, an unbelievable team and set of volunteers that have just been down there putting in the work. And just to be able to see the fruit of that is incredible. And so next week is Easter, and you probably already know that. We're excited to see what God's gonna do. And man, we wanna invite you in a journey this week with us for Easter. And it's a journey of just praying, praying that God would show up. It's a, it's a journey of kind of having our eyes open to imagine and, and to envision who it is that we can actually bring with us. And lastly is this, and I know this kind of sounds like a, a promo and it's not that, but I do believe this is an incredible resource, especially if you have kids. Uh, our team put this together and man, it is so good. It's basically walking through Holy Week with scripture. So you can read uh, Sunday, Palm Sunday, and you can read the scripture. It has some application questions, and then it has a prayer. And so in just a matter of five, 10 minutes around a dinner table, you and your family can journey through Holy Week and, and to be a part of what Jesus was doing from now until Easter, and just an incredible way to get prepared. Um, we are in a series called I Promise. And this series is one that I personally have been looking forward to for a long time. I, I, it might just be me, but I feel like we kind of live in a crazy world, you know, anybody else where you never know what the headline's gonna be. And so we just kind of live in this world of uncertainty. We're always kind of getting bounced around and we're trying to figure out, you know, what the new headline is, what's, what's happening next. And, and so it's hard to, to grab a hold of something stable in a world that's constantly changing. And that's what th this whole series is built around. It's built around the promises of God, the promises in scripture. And I don't know if you know this, but every promise that God makes, he will fulfill. That will happen. That's the God that we serve. And so what, th what this series is built around is giving us some things that we can grab a hold of in the midst of a world that's honestly just, just kind of wild. And so that's, that's the series. And today what we're talking about is the promise of hope the promise of hope. And just a little class participation across all campuses. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt all hope was lost? Anybody just raise your hand, come on, be honest. You know, you're just ready to throw in the towel. Yeah, we've all been there. Like we've all been there and it could be in the sense of finances where you just feel like, man, all hope's lost. Like we'll never be able to climb out of this debt. It could be a marriage where you're trying to figure out how to navigate marriage and how to figure these things out. And you've been praying for God to work in your marriage and you've put, been putting into work, but you're just not seeing a lot of progress at times. And so you're just kind of ready to throw in the towel. It could be actually finding someone to marry. Hello, single folks. And you're just kind of like, hey, there's, there's no hope now. Like all hope is lost. And I mean, it could be in all different things. But we've all been there if we were to be honest today and say, yeah, I've been in a season, in a situation where I just felt like all hope was lost. And today I'm praying that you'll hear from the Lord and that you'll hear of, of a hope that has substance 
and a hope that has meaning that can help you navigate through this. Because one of the big ideas for us to understand is this, is that circumstances, they can rob us of everything except hope. Like circumstances, the, the circumstances that you and I navigate, man, we just have to be honest, they have power. That they, they can rob us of joy. The things that we go through in life, man, they can rob us of, of finances at times. They can rob us of, of happiness. They can rob us of, of even people we love. But the truth is, is that no matter the circumstance, they cannot rob us of the hope that we have. And here's why, because biblical hope is confidence that a better day is coming. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus. It's confidence that a better day is coming. Why? Not because our circumstance is gonna get better. A better day is coming, not because, you know, we're gonna win the lottery and run across some money. No, we have hope that a better day is coming because of the finished work of Jesus. So yes, circumstances can rob you of a lot of things, but they can't rob you of hope. And here's why, because circumstances, they cannot rob us of the cross. And that's what we're celebrating next weekend at Easter. And that's where our hope is found because the, the thing is, is that hope, it will enable you to navigate and to endure and persevere through all the different circumstances of life. And I know it kind of seems like at times, you know, just kind of pie in the sky when we talk about hope, but what I'll do a little bit later on in the message is I'm just gonna share uh, a story that, you know, Nicole and I have been journeying through and something that we've been navigating through life. And honestly, uh, through this season, it was, it was an extremely difficult season. And the only thing that allowed us to keep moving forward was the hope that we had through Christ. And so I'll share a little bit about that uh, in a little bit. But the passage that we find this type of hope is in the book of Romans. And I personally think it's one of Paul's greatest writings, but that's just my opinion. And verses or chapters one through seven is an unbelievable uh, set of chapters where he's unpacking sin and, and salvation and what Jesus has done. And, and so if you're like wondering and still kind of exploring faith, man, Romans one through seven is an incredible place to start and to, to understand all of those things. And then you get to Romans eight, and it's just a celebration. Like Paul is celebrating of the hope we have because of what Jesus has done. In the passage, the little part that we're going to uh, gear into, lean into, is in Romans chapter 8, uh, 22 through 25. And the very first word says, we. And so just out of the gate, know that what Paul is talking, or the, who Paul is talking to is believers. And so here's kind of the context. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. Can we say that together across all campuses? For in this hope, we're saved. For in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. The hope that is seen, the hope that's, that seems tangible, like more money, more finances, you know, a, a better season of life, these things are no hope at all. It says, but, or who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And so God's promise of hope, that the first thing Paul is saying is for his people. 
God's promise of hope is for his people, meaning it, because it says those who had the first fruits of the spirit. And you might be thinking to me, that's just like weird, like churchy language. Well, what does the first fruits of the spirit actually mean? And simply put, it's those who had the spirit of God living and dwelling inside of them. So when you put your faith in Jesus and you submit your life to Christ, what happens is the spirit of God comes and lives and dwells inside of you and starts to do a work in your life. And that's the first fruit of the spirit. And so what Paul is saying is this, is that, is that God's promise of hope is for the people of God who have the spirit of God living and dwelling in them. And here's something that we can't just glance over. And I mean this with a lot of love, but, but it's something that we have to actually process is this. Just because you've been created in the image of God, it does not mean that you are a child of God. And let that sink in, let process that. Because all of humanity has been created in the image of God. It's the Imago Dei principle. Like we've all been created in the image of God, but it doesn't mean that we're a child of God. And you might say, well, Timmy, how do I become a child of God? It's in the moment where you submit your life to Christ and you, and you turn from your sins and say, God, I, I wanna follow you the rest of my life. And in that moment, the spirit of God lives and comes and lives and dwells in you and makes you from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And then you're a part of the, child, the, the family of God. And that's what Paul is saying is the promise of hope is for the children of God. And the second thing is this, God's promise of hope, it doesn't eliminate pain and suffering. And you might be thinking, man, this message isn't a message of hope so far. It's just kind of tough to process, but it, it is true. Like it doesn't eliminate the pain and suffering, because he said in verse 23 that with the spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption. And so here's the thing is, yes, eternity is secure, but we live in a broken world. It's what the, some theologians call the already, not yet. Like we're here in a broken world and we get this. I mean, there's stories week after week of people we love in venture, at venture. Man, you're currently walking through just some difficult situations. And that's the, the, the groaning inwardly. This is the pain that, that we all navigate through life. Man, there's, there's people that are walking through some of the greatest uh, struggles with anxiety right now and depression. People you love that have cancer and, and people you love that you've lost. And this is the world that we live in. And so although we're navigating this as we're waiting for what God is ultimately gonna do, which we'll talk about in just a second. Here's the thing, is that we don't walk through these seasons without hope. Hope is the one thing that allows us to keep walking through every season of life. It's the confidence that a better day is coming because of the finished work of Jesus. And then lastly is this, is it says that God's promise of hope is backed by his character. And you know, I love our artwork. I don't know if you noticed this, the pinky promise. You know, is I promise, is pinky promise. Has anybody ever done a pinky promise? You know, like bringing it back to the childhood days. I used to do them all the time. Yet typically it's when I did something wrong. And I know y'all think I was the perfect child, which I was, it just depends who you ask. And, but I would typically do something and uh, I didn't want my teacher to know or my mom to know, but somebody would see what I've done. And I'm like, bro, you cannot tell on me. Like you promise. They're like, man, I promise I won't tell. I was like, pinky promise. Like, you can't tell on me. And because the pinky promise sealed the deal. You know, it was like nothing was greater than the pinky promise. And if you broke the pinky promise, we don't even know what the consequences are still. 
You know, like you don't break the pinky promise. And here's the thing, it's the promise of hope for you and I, for the people of God. Man, it's not, it's not backed by a pinky promise. It's not backed by uh, our word. It's not backed by our character. It's not backed by a policy. It's not backed by a president, if that's the thing anymore. Like it's backed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's backed by God himself. The promise of hope is backed by the name that's above every name. It's the name of Jesus. That's what the promise of hope is backed by. And here's the reality is for all of us, man, there is coming a day where there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more suffering. And man, I cannot wait for that day. Like God is going to come and restore all things. And what it says in Revelation, that he's gonna wipe every single tear from your eye. And that's the promise of hope that God will restore all things. And as we journey through this broken world, we can grab a hold of that hope, that this is in our home that a better day is coming. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus. And then Paul, at the end of chapter eight, it's like the crescendo. Like as he talks through sin and salvation and the hope we have because we're children of God, he gets to the very last part of, of chapter eight and starting in verse 35, it says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And so he's basically saying to you, who shall separate you and you and you and you and you from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life will angels or demons or the present or the future or any powers or nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And all God's people said, amen. And this is the promise of hope. That yes, we do live in a broken world. And yes, we have to navigate difficult seasons. But the promise of hope for the people of God is that God's coming to restore all things. And this reality, it's not pie in the sky. This bedrock truth is what you and I get to walk on every day. And I try to grab a hold of to help us navigate all the seasons of life. And so here's the thing, just to kind of, to, to make this personal, I guess, and to help it have some application is, you know, for the past two years, you know, I've mentioned multiple times, standing right here, that Nicole and I have been walking through difficult seasons and, and it was the hardest seasons that we've walked through. And so just wanna give you a little backstory and kind of catch you up to speed on what's been happening. And, and man, just there, there's some people that have just been praying for us and they didn't even know why. And I love how the family of God works. Literally someone woke up in the middle of the night and said, hey, I gotta take you to lunch because God put you on my heart. And he took, he took me to lunch and I, I didn't have the courage to tell them what we were going through. And so if you just kind of back up, the, the story is, Nicole and I have been married for 13 years, by the way, hallelujah. And for 10 of those years, yeah, that's right. For 10 of those years, we uh, had prayed that the Lord would give us a desire to have kids. And he just never gave us that desire. We kind of, to be honest, we kind of felt odd because it's just like you get married, have kids. That's like the logical next step, you know? Uh, but for us, we were, the way we just op try to operate in life is that God would give us the desire for certain things and then we would act on those desires. And so we prayed year one, we, we prayed twice a year, Christmas and summer. You know, like, all right, God, do we want to, you want us to have kids yet? Uh, okay, good, we'll keep rolling. And so we did that for like nine years, 10 years, and it was Christmas of year 10 
that we were praying about it and, and God had already started placing that desire in our lives. And, and so we had a conversation year 10 of Christmas and it was like, all right, the desire's there and let's take steps that direction. And so year 2020, the greatest year on earth, right? Uh, <laughs> 2020, at the very beginning of 2020, uh, we were, the Lord allowed us to get pregnant. And man, we were just ecstatic. It was an amazing, like if, you, if you've been there, like you get it, just like a roller coaster. And it's like, oh man, this is awesome. This is scary. What are we gonna do, you know? And we were kind of going through that. And then within that first trimester, we ended up having a miscarriage. And it was, man, it, it was unlike anything we've ever experienced, obviously. And there wasn't a filter, like I didn't have a filter to, to process the, the hurt and the pain of, of what we were actually walking through. And the, what made it worse was we were trying to plan on how to tell the family and how to tell friends. You know, it's that moment you, we were planning on how to tell everybody and we wanted it to be special at the right time and all of that. And so as we were planning to tell everyone was when we had the miscarriage. And so the thing was, is nobody knew we were pregnant and nobody on earth knew that we were walking through a miscarriage. And in that moment, when just in full transparency, like I'd never felt more like a fraud. And, and to be brutally honest, I never felt more like a failure leading my family. And the reason why is because man, I believe, and I've said hundreds, if not thousands of times that the only thing worse than walking through a difficult situation is walking through it alone. And here I was, Mr. Pastor guy that led our family walking through this situation in a complete silo. And man, it was just like, it wrecked me. And it wrecked Nicole, obviously. And, and so we, we, we kept moving forward and, and kept processing, just trying to do the best that we could. And, and so a little bit later in 2020, we got pregnant again, hallelujah. And you fast forward from that, what, what happened during this time was we learned from our mistakes and we had people praying, we had people in our corner and folks were praying and knew what was happening. But Christmas morning of 2020, again, is when we had a second miscarriage. And I will say that I, that, that was probably that hopeless feeling where we honestly felt like all hope was lost. And it wasn't it, like if, you know, some of the things that we said was just, you know, like when you're in moments like that, you say stuff that you don't mean, it's just what you feel. You know, and we said stuff, honestly, just like we said stuff, we feel like, we feel like God had turned his back on us. But what we feel and what is true sometimes contradict each other. Because the reality is, is the gospel is that God turned his back on his own son, Jesus, so he'd never have to turn his back on us. And the only thing, although we felt like God had turned his back on us, but we knew it wasn't true. The only thing that kept us moving forward in that season was this biblical hope that we talk about today. It wasn't the, the hope, and, and hear this clearly, it wasn't hope and wishful thinking that God was gonna allow us to, to have a kid because we didn't know if that was gonna be true. Like we didn't know if that was gonna be a reality for our life and we had to get to a place like, all right, we're cool with it doesn't happen. Like we're okay with that. The only thing that allowed us to get through it was we knew that there was coming a day that God would restore all things. Like we knew that this wasn't our, our home and our, our, the world like forever. Like we knew that this wasn't it and that gave us hope because the world that we live in is broken and we are experiencing that to the fullness. 
And so we knew that a better day was coming because of the cross, because of Easter, because of the resurrection. And that was the only thing. And, I, and this isn't just, you know, like, like spiritual talk, but this is reality. It was the only thing that allowed us to keep moving forward. And it wasn't like we were running. <laughs> we were just inching along through this thing. And, uh, and so to, to finish the story is this, is we finally got the courage to, to try one more time. And by God's grace, fully by God's grace and by his provisions, he gave us a healthy pregnancy and a healthy little girl. And we brought her into the world six weeks ago. So I can't wait for you to meet Indy Lane Runke. There she is. <laughs> oh man, I've learned a lot. One thing I learned is you don't kiss the baby's belly during diaper change. <laughs> oh, but it's been an amazing journey. And, and uh, can I tell you a quick story? Because I realized yesterday that I was like the proud dad, you know, like on a weird level. We were riding a bike, me and a guy named Jordan. Uh, he helps lead students here, an amazing guy. We made it to Summerall. And there was two dudes, I had no clue who they were. Okay, like I didn't even know these guys. We get off the bike, we're kind of waiting in line to use the restroom. They're like, hey, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, man, I got a little girl at home, <laughs> six weeks old. And they're like, all right, see you later. <laughs> but you know, it was just like, oh, anyhow. But, but I do say this is I, I, I'm, I was hesitant to, to share all of that. One is you just feel extremely vulnerable. Uh, but two, there was no way for us to talk about hope without sharing our story. And also, too, is very sensitive to the reality that this is how our story went and kind of how it has ended. But I know that's not the reality for everybody. And I know people have walked through seasons like this and are still walking through these seasons. And so the hope, this is why the biblical hope is such a reality that we have to grab a hold of. Because if we're hoping for things that we can see and things that we can grab, what Paul said is no hope at all. But the hope that you and I can grab a hold of because of what Jesus has done is the reality and the promise that a better day is coming. And it's called the, our eternal day. And so with this is the way that we're gonna kind of close all this out is, you know, oftentimes hope drifts because it isn't tangible. You know what I mean? Like it's not something you can just grab at times. And so hope often kind of drifts off into the distance and we lose sight of it. And one way that we can take hope that has drifted into the distance and to bring it back into focus, one way that we can do that is by remembering what Jesus has done because the hope we have is attached to what Christ has done on the cross. And one way that we do that as believers and as a church is through communion is when we, when we partake in communion, because what we're doing there is we're saying, hey, I'm remembering that his body was broken and his blood was shed so that I could be forgiven, which means so that I will spend eternity with him, so that I will be a part of the new heaven and the new earth that he will make. And that's what communion is. And what we're gonna start doing starting today and moving forward at the end of every single one of our experiences at all of our locations is we're gonna have a chance for you to come down and have communion. 
for you to come down as an individual, for you to come down as a family and to partake in communion. And it's not something you have to do every week, but it's gonna be available for you to, to participate in. And why? Because it's gonna remind us of the hope that we have. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done. And there's ways that we respond. We already have the crosses where you can go to the cross and respond and lay burdens down and, and to say, God, I'm submitting this to you. I'm submitting my future to you. I'm submitting this family to you because I'm gonna pray for for them. You can come down to our prayer team and what amazing blessing that is to be able to walk down and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Could you pray over me? And we have an amazing set of team that will pray for you. And the third way that we'll be able to respond now is through communion. And it's not just something that we talk about, but it's something that's talked about through scripture. And this is what Paul says about it. And then I'll give us a couple of truths about communion and then we will close out today. So this is what Paul says. And really what I wanna do is I'm not gonna explain the whole context of this passage and this text, but I want you to hear the purpose of communion. And so here's the purpose. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It was to a church that was struggling with a lot of things, just like we struggle with a lot of things. And what Paul was trying to do was get this back in front of them. And he says, for I've received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance, in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, until he comes. The hope we have, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back to save us and to redeem us and to restore all things. And so communion, what it is simply put is a reminder of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. Man, praise God. It's a reminder that his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could be restored to our heavenly father so that we could have eternal hope. And so when we partake in communion, it's, it's a reminder of what Jesus did. And it's also a chance to evaluate and repent of the things in our life that aren't honoring God. And that's the very practical part of this is yes, you're remembering what he did, but you're evaluating your current life. And you're saying, man, is there stuff in my life that doesn't please the Lord? And it's a chance to turn from those things and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm turning from this because I remember what you've done for me. And lastly is this, is that communion, it refreshes our soul and reminds us of the hope that we have. It reminds us of the hope that we have. It takes this reality of hope that's drifted and it brings it back into focus so that we can remind and remember regardless of what we're walking through, that we have hope of a better day because of what Jesus has done. And so this is what's gonna happen is across all of our campuses, our teams are gonna lead us in worship. And man, we have a chance to respond. And what I would encourage you to do is, is actually respond, whatever that looks like for you. And so we built these moments into our experiences, not so we can just have like a cool moment, but no, it's a chance to not just sit and receive God's word, but it's a chance to interact with God. It's a chance to respond to what God has spoken into your life. And there's something powerful. Oh man, there's something so powerful when you, you, when you feel like God has spoken to you and you actually act on it. 
Man, it takes your faith to a whole new level. And that's why we've built in different uh, elements of response. And so you can respond by going to the cross and laying things down at the cross. You can respond by coming to uh, someone to pray for you, or you can respond through communion and through the Lord's Supper. And I do wanna say this about the Lord's Supper is it is for believers. It is for those who have put their faith in Jesus. And so you might be thinking, well, Timmy, I haven't done that yet. Well, here's an amazing reality for you if that's you, is that listen, if the Lord is speaking to you today and you sense that God's moving in your life, then, then think about what could happen. Is in this moment, if you sense that the Lord's speaking to you, man, you could come and pray with a prayer team member and submit your life to Jesus and go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive in this moment. And then you can go and partake in communion for the very first time to say, thank you God for saving me. What an amazing moment that would be. Man, to, to, to have Lord's Supper on the moment and the day that you put your faith in Jesus, incredible. And so respond as needed. But my encouragement is respond because I do know, man, people are walking through difficult, difficult situations. And for a lot of folks, hope has drifted off in the distance. And so let today be a day where hope comes back into focus. And so if you would, at all of our campuses, would you please stand? And I'm gonna pray for us. And after the prayer, man, I would just encourage you to respond as an individual or as a family. Just respond how you feel like the Lord has called you to respond. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the cross. <laughs> and God, we thank you for this week and what it means, Holy Week. But God, ultimately we thank you because yes, we navigate difficult seasons, but we don't navigate them without hope. We, we don't navigate them without being able to, to look forward to the reality that you're coming to restore all things and this world's not our home and it was never intended to be our home. So God, forgive me, forgive us when we try to make it our home because we just it just breaks us. So God, wake us to the, up to the reality that a better day is coming. God, that's not pie in the sky, but God, that's just biblical truth. And God, I pray for all of our people and families and individuals that feel like they're in a hopeless situation. And God, I, I pray that you let them see today that yes, circumstances can rob us of a lot of things, but they cannot rob us of our hope. And Jesus, thank you for that. And God, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church podcast. To find a campus near you, check out venturechurch.org.